Hello to all my fellow Sabres fans and welcome to a Labor Day weekend edition of the Sabre Talk podcast. This is Mark Ice, your host, and I'm coming at you live from Miriam, Kansas, from a quality inn in uh, Miriam, Kansas, a suburb, suburb of Kansas City. So I'm sure I've made everybody sufficiently jealous by now. And I'm getting pretty excited. We're getting close to training camp here, really getting close to the season getting into gear. The only major news that we've had since my previous podcast, which was right after the Jimmy Vesey decision, has been the re-signing of Zemgis Gergensens. And so I'm going to discuss that a little bit, how I assess that, but also I want to talk more broadly about Tim Murray's offseason and how we should rate or grade or evaluate his his offseason. This is his third, third offseason as the Sabres general manager, and we're really now seeing the team start to take the shape that he has envisioned. So we're starting to see his full impact. We've pretty much, we haven't cleaned house entirely from, from what was here before he got here, but a lot of those pieces are gone. And a lot of the pieces that were here prior to him getting here are currently on prove it one year type deals after being restricted free agents, where I think next off season, you're going to see decisions made on a lot of those players. And Gergensen's is one of those players. So first I'll discuss the Gergensen's deal. I like it. I, I thought they would try to sign him longer. I, I assume that was probably what the negotiations looked like. The Sabres would have liked to have locked him up for longer at a discounted cap hit because he didn't put up much offense last year. But I think the Gergensen's camp had the most to gain from a short-term deal, ideally a one-year deal. So he took only $1.15 million on that one-year deal and cost himself dollars he could have gotten if he had signed longer term. But I think what Gergensen's and his agent are betting on is that he comes out, posts significantly better offensive numbers this year, and is able to make more money on his next deal than he would have if he had, been, if he had locked himself up longer term with the Sabres this offseason. This has been a, a trend among the restricted free agents that the, that the Sabres had this year. If you look at Marcus Foligno, he signed a one-year deal. He signed his qualifying offer, uh, which was higher than, than the qualifying offer for Johan Larson or Gergensen's. Uh, Larson signed just above his qualifying offer, also a one-year, a, a cheap one-year deal. And then Gergensen's did the same thing. So I think Murray is putting these these guys in a position where here you have one year to come out and try to prove that you're deserving of a long-term higher cap hit contract and not coincidentally these were guys that were were drafted and acquired prior to Murray coming to Buffalo so it's it's hard to know exactly how much he likes these players and what he thinks these players long-term upside was because they're not his guys and you see that all the time where a new regime comes in and they don't think as much of guys that aren't theirs as they think of players that they've acquired themselves because they have a certain vision of these are the these are the types of players I want this is how I envision my lineup to look and so you see usually over a two three four year time period the guys that were there prior to that regime being evaluated being traded some of them being kept being locked up Um, it was surprising Murray locked up Tyler Ennis who was obviously left over from the prior regime and he did it pretty quickly after becoming the Sabres GM, and that was a surprising move to see, and he hasn't really kept that up since, and I wonder if part of that is because 
not that the Ennis deal is blown up in his face, but because of Ennis's concussion issues and being out of the lineup quite a bit since signing that deal, it uh, it it may make him more loath to 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 lock up players long term than it would have before. So I wonder if that plays plays a role in it because I'm sure if they could if they could trade away Tyler Ennis for next to nothing, you know, get like a second or third round draft pick right now, they probably would do it to get out from underneath his cap. And I, I am excited to see what he does this year. And I respect him a ton for how well he played during those two tank years during the um, 2013, 2014 and 2014, 2015. Those two seasons were horrible. He was one of the few bright spots. So I'm excited to see what he does, but I wouldn't be surprised if Murray's treatment of the restricted free agents this off season Felino, Gergensen's Larson, primarily, if that doesn't have a lot to do with how the Ennis deal has turned out for him thus far, and that he would much rather lock guys up short term and then evaluate them later rather than make a long term commitment and have it blow up in his face. Another thing this does, this Gergensen's deal does, by allocating less of the cap to him this year, it gives him some cap room to play around with. I, I talked about in the previous podcast that having Gergensen's locked up at say two to three million dollars and then having Ristolainen locked up at five and a half six I mean maybe upwards of six and a half million dollars per year that would have put the Sabres right up against the cap and it would have made it very difficult to make moves in season and try to acquire depth pieces or acquire an upgrade on the back end but now having Gergensen's locked up at 1.15 million that gives them some room to play around with and it'll give them room to make a trade if they want or to sign somebody, maybe somebody like a Chris Russell. I know I discussed him at some length in the previous podcast, but being able to sign players like that, maybe even another top six winger option. I discussed Yuri Hoodler as being a possibility. Uh, I know I'd also discussed Brandon Peary as being a possibility, but he has since been taken off the market redeemed verbata is another option but to have some money to play around to bring in some guys whereas if they had locked up gergensen's at two and a half three million a year and ristolainen at what we're expecting him to need to be locked up at it would have made it much more difficult to make those types of moves so that's probably the biggest short-term impact of the gergensen signing longer term i think it it very likely it's going to force Murray to make decisions uh, in offseason earlier than I think maybe he would have had to. Really, the offseason where decisions are going to have to be made are it's going to be the 2018 offseason. So it'll be the offseason when Eichel's contract is up, Reinhardt's contract is up, Evander Kane's contract is up, and yeah, you do have quite a few contracts coming off the books before that point, but you're still going to have the Ennis contract around, the Molson contract around, uh, some of those dead weights. I know Georges will be gone that offseason, assuming he's with the Sabres through the end of his contract. Gianta's contract's up at the end of this offseason, so that'll open up some room, but they're still going to have some of their biggest money contracts up front here and have to figure out a way to pay Reinhardt and Eichel are the top priorities, of course, but figure out a way to pay those guys. So I think forcing Murray to make a decision now in the 2017 offseason on players like Gergensen's, Felino, and Larson, it, it, it shifts it earlier than it otherwise would have been. And I'm kind of surprised that he didn't decide to try to get him locked up for two years to put 
to, to give as much flexibility as possible that offseason because I'd be shocked if any of these guys come out. Say Larson comes out and has the same type of year he had last year and maybe adds some offense to his game. It's going to be very difficult to be able to lock him up on another one-year deal now that he has almost a full two seasons of showing this type of ability. You're not going to be able to get him to come back again on a one-year, $1 million type deal. It's just impossible. If Gergensen comes back out and has – the off has the offensive production that you would expect from somebody with his underlying stats and with the offense that he put up in prior seasons, you're not going to be able to bring him back at a comparable cap hit to what he's going to get this year. You know, you're going to be looking at the three million plus range. So I think it it makes some of the decisions Murray's going to have to make in off season earlier than they otherwise would have been. But I like this deal. I'm I'm trying to look at at what the implications are down the road, possibly negative implications down the road are. But I like this. I like I like the idea of prove-it deals. I like being able to give yourself more flexibility this year, and I'm happy with it. I would have expected if he was going to sign a one-year deal, it would have been for a salary much, not much higher, but definitely higher than $1.15 million. So I'm happy with how this situation played out with Gergensen's, and it's nice to have almost this whole roster Filled. And I still think you're probably going to see a, a fourth-line center type brought in, and maybe even on a on a PTO. But I think you're close to seeing this this whole roster being filled out. And really the only piece left to be signed is Ristolainen. And I don't have any new information to add to the whole, Ristolainen, the whole Ristolainen saga compared to what I talked about on the previous podcast, which was now uh, like a week and a half about a week and a half ago. Uh, I still expect the numbers to be about the same. I expect him to be in that five and a half to six and a half million per year range, which I think is fair for him. There are quite a few comparables out there of similar players signed to contracts right about in that range. I think you will be able to get him locked up for six years has been my target. I think that's pretty realistic to be able to do. If you give him that type of money up front, which I think is worth, it's more than he's worth right now. Uh, but he's going to grow into being worth more than that by the end of that contract, and you buy out a couple unrestricted free agent years. I think that's the most realistic scenario where both sides feel like they're winning. Uh, but who knows? With the way that Murray's attacked the restricted free agent situation this offseason, maybe they end up going with a shorter-term deal. Maybe they're looking more at a two, two- or three-year deal, which I don't know how, how receptive the Sabres will be to that, but... They will come to an agreement. I'm not. I'm not stressing out about the possibility of them not being able to come in to come to an agreement and the possibility that Ristolainen holds out into the season or anything like that. I don't think that. I don't think anything like that is going to happen. But I would just like to see that situation resolved, and then I think you'll be able to see those couple moves to improve the roster at the margins with you know maybe another defenseman brought in another chief defenseman and a fourth line center type those are the types of moves i would expect so beyond the beyond those two deals i wanted to i wanted to commit a lot of this podcast to talking about evaluating murray and what i think of him this offseason and i i probably will bring in some from what he's done in previous offseasons because obviously when you're a gm prior moves build on each other and impact what's going on currently. So you never can fully evaluate how a GM 
treats one off season. You have to look at their their prior body of work. But I'm going to start by just looking at individual moves and what I think of them. So first, the biggest move of the offseason was the Kyle Oposo signing, and I liked that. I think, yes, it's going to make things tighter down the road in terms of being able to lock up your big guns. It's going to make you, it's going to make, you make decisions to jettison players that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have had to. I think Evander Kane now looks like a surefire uh, a surefire player in that category that's that's going to have to leave that they're not going to be able to afford to keep because now they've invested they've invested so much money in in Oposo and they're going to need significant money to lock up Eichel and Reinhardt and Ristolainen's going to get his payday and you can't have a, a bunch of guys making six million plus I don't know what Kane's going to end up commanding on his next contract but you have to think he's going to want at least what he's making now, which is a $5.25 million cap hit. And he very well may be commanding more. It obviously depends hugely on what he does over these next two seasons because right now his value is lower than that. I think if he made him an, if he made him an unrestricted free agent this offseason, he wouldn't have commanded the salary he's making now. But he has two seasons to make up for his transgressions this offseason and to have – productive seasons on the ice and improve his value and obviously inflation in the cap and um and just player salaries going up stands to reason that he's going to command more than his current salary when he finally does hit unrestricted free agency so i think that's one of the biggest implications of the oposa move but you can't you can't not make moves because of the possible impact down the road and obviously oposo is somebody that this that the Sabres organization thinks that they can build around. I agree that I think he's a piece that you can build around. And they got him for fair market value, I think if not below fair market value on, on the free agent market where players are are signed to exorbitant deals far above what they should be being paid. But I think this is a pretty fair deal. And I think that Oposo is much more likely to be a core piece moving forward than somebody like Kane is. So I liked that move. I think it showed that they were aggressive in the structuring of the contract. They were able to throw around Terry Pagula's money, which is one of the biggest advantages that this franchise has, the ability to to throw around the money of one of the richest owners in professional sports. And so they're able to front load that contract, give him a bunch of signing bonus money. And if you look at the present value of that contract, it's it's – valuable to Oposo to have more money up front due to present value money and it helps the Sabres because his cap hit is reduced from from what it otherwise would have been to have the same present value but have the money more spread out later in the deal so I think the the construction of the deal was great I think targeting him was great I was very apprehensive about going out and trying to get him because I thought he would be more expensive I thought it'd be more more like $7 million a year to sign him. But getting him at six per year on the cap is 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 a get. I think with how rare offense is, he's proven to be one of the more consistent offensive commodities in the NHL. Uh, he's consistently a top 30 offensive forward. And I think those guys are hard to find. And when you can get them and get them locked up to solid contracts, you need to do it. So I like that deal. I will never criticize Murray for that 
for that signing at all, even though we will end up having to make tough decisions down the road. Another major deal, this wasn't a free agent signing, but the Dmitry Kulikov acquisition and trading away Mark Pesic and getting back Dmitry Kulikov and at the same time trading a second and third to move up in the second round. Uh, so that was that whole deal. And they're able to get Rasmus Asplund with the pick acquired in the trade, which is somebody they highly targeted. They said that he was the highest player on their board after round one, and they had him rated as a as a late first-round pick. So getting Asplund was nice, but really the, the biggest part of the deal was acquiring Kulikov, who is one year from unrestricted free agency. So that's the big downside with him is that it's very possible – that he plays out this season as a saber and then departs. And Mark Pesic, who was traded away, there was still quite a few years left of team control with him. But the biggest part of the deal was shifting some of your defensive assets from right-handed defenseman to left-handed defenseman. And Kulikov is a lefty. You have to think right now that he's projected to be on the same pairing as Rasmus Ristolainen, though we don't really know, I guess, until we get into training camp and into preseason. There, there's a possibility that the the pairings could be constructed differently. But right now it looks like Kulikov is that target partner for Ristolainen. He's more of a defensive stay-at-home guy, doesn't bring a ton in terms of moving the puck or in terms of uh, providing offense, but just a solid, experienced defenseman. And the Sabres have lacked that. And if you look at if you look at last year and the how much they had to rely on Jake McCabe on the left side, and until this move was made, it looked like they were going to be going into this season having to rely on McCabe just as much as they did last year to be pretty much the guy on the left side, which is a huge role to be. It's a huge role to thrust a rookie into. To, to play those types of high-pressure minutes and to need him to really play at a high level every night in order for them to have a chance to to be a playoff contender. So that was a huge role to throw him in. Of course, Georges was Ristolainen's partner for most of the year, and, and he's a veteran, so they they put a lot of pressure on Georges. But Georges is not the talent that McCabe is, and he was being thrown there really as a, as a stopgap. But now you bring Dmitry Kulikov in, and he immediately becomes the top guy on the left side. And, yeah, it looks like McCabe will be on the second pairing going into this year, most likely. Looks like the McCabe-Bogosian pairing may be happening again, which you hope that McCabe has grown from last year, from what he learned last year, being th- thrust into so many high-pressure situations. But it pushes Josh Georges down now to the third pairing, ideally. Of course, this is speculation. We don't really know how the pairings are going to turn out, but that looks to be most likely right now. So the Kulikov, the Kulikov acquisition is a huge deal uh, for being able to do that. You know, Not just acquiring him, but being able to alleviate the de- some of the depth issues on the left side. Now, ideally, they would have another capable left side defenseman and have more competition headed into camp. But right now, things look better than they did. And I was a Mark Pesic fan. I didn't want to trade him. I thought having a, a cheap defenseman like that that really – could play with just about anybody, but he had struggled some on the left side. I, I wish he'd been given more of an opportunity on the left side last year to really see what he could do there. But 
to have a young guy like that, cost-controlled, steady. I know he doesn't bring really any one elite skill to the table, which a lot of coaches now want to see. You know, have have their defensemen each bring something, some elite skill to the table. But I just liked his steady overall package, and the fact that you could depend on him. He's a good skater, fit in well with the faster NHL game. So I think Florida did well in this trade, but in the Sabres gaping need on the left side, it also made sense. And if they really do want to make a playoff push this year, which it looks like they do, then having an upgrade like that was necessary in order for that to even be a possibility. Uh, So I think Murray, and you, you can look at fans really across the spectrum. There are some fans that want to stay the course that think, okay, yeah, they're going to be better this year, but if they don't make the playoffs, it's fine. You know, it's a we still have so many years with Eichel and Reinhardt. They're still on the upswing. Still a lot of young players. So let's just stay the course. You don't need to make any sort of splashy acquisition now to try to make the playoffs. Then you have people on the other end of the spectrum that want to do it now, that let's be Stanley Cup contenders this year if we can. Let's let's parlay the, the draft picks into players that can help now, you know. They were the, the people that were into dangling the eighth overall pick for an upgrade on the back end. So that's the other spectrum. I think where I fall is somewhere in the middle, where this year is a big transition year, and I think they need to be in the hunt for the playoffs, and making the playoffs would be ideal. But I think next year is really the year where they need to make a splash, and they need to go for it. Because next year is the last year where you've got Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart on the last years of their entry-level deals. Uh, these young guys are going to keep getting more expensive. You're going to have to lock both of them up to big deals. And at that point, you're going to have less cap space to work with to build around them. Of course, having players like that, and you're also going to have you know Rasmus Ristolainen and Ryan O'Reilly and Kyle Poso those three guys are going to be here long-term as well. So having a core like that, you're going to be contenders for a long time. But it makes it that much more difficult, and they're going to have to, they're going to, have to really sacrifice depth on some parts of the roster in order to make that work after next year, after the 2017-2018 season. So I think this year it is important that they are at least right in that playoff mix. And making the playoffs would be ideal. I don't think they needed to go out, though, and trade the eighth overall pick for an upgrade on defense. I don't think they needed to pay the prices that that some teams seem to be asking for to acquire their their high-level defensemen. I don't think that really made sense. But the Kulikov trade, I think, fit right in with where I am, where, yes, you are trading away a player that's under team control for a while, uh, but you're doing it for an immediate upgrade where you need and you're not sacrificing a huge piece where think about trading the eighth overall pick that's trading a significant piece you think Alex Nylander he's going to be an important player coming in on his entry-level deal that's able to provide offense at a very cheap price relative to what you would need to go out and pay on the free agent market to bring in that type of offense he's going to be hugely important once that cap crunch hits you know once you have to pay Eichel and Reinhardt on their second contracts that's going to be when that eighth overall pick pays dividends. But 
the Kulikov deal is the type of deal right in the middle, I think, and right where I stand, which is why I tend to like it. And people that may be on one spec, one end of the spectrum or the other may like it less than I do because they either thought, okay, we should have just held on to, Pe- on to Pesic and let's wait till next offseason and evaluate at that point and try to make a big deal. Or people that really wanted the push would have wanted us to be dangling the eighth overall pick and other future pieces and whatever we could to get that big-time defenseman. And Kulikov isn't a big-time defenseman. He's a solid, experienced top-four guy. He's not a, a top-four – or he's not a top-pairing stud that you put next to wrist line and all of a sudden, you know, we have this dynamic top-pairing. That's not the type of player that Kulikov is and not the type of player he's going to be. But I liked the move because it fits in with where I see this team going. The other part of the offseason to evaluate Murray on is the draft. And I touched on it a little bit, uh, the Nylander pick. I liked that a lot because I think looking forward, they're going to have a need for wingers. They have a need for wingers now. But when you think about Kane is probably going to get sacrificed to needing to re-sign Eichel and Reinhardt. So you think he's not going to be here long term. It doesn't look like unless he really – unless he does something big over the next couple years or something dramatic happens with the rest of the roster – I don't see him being here. And so really the only long-term sh- the only long-term surefire winger that's going to be here is Kyle Kalaposo. Ennis will probably be here as well and they they're really banking on him bouncing back and then they're hoping that Gergensen's can fill one of those roles. But you also have Justin Bailey, uh, Hudson Fashing. Those guys they're really hoping step up as well and can fill top nine winger roles, which I think they will over the next couple of years. And they're going to be important to this team's future, but there's a lot up in the air on the wing. And I know everybody was thinking, yeah, defense is this team's biggest need now. So they need to be drafting a defenseman, need to be drafting a defenseman. But Nylander makes a ton of sense looking forward and how much this team is going to want and crave skill on the wing to go along with the great play. It looks like they're going to have down the middle going forward so I liked the Nylander pick a lot uh, I was I you know, I was kind of torn between him and Sergachev I could have gone either way with them I would have been happy with, with with either I think they were in a great position that both fell there but going with Nylander I have absolutely no problem with it and I respect Murray for not caving into the immediate needs of what they needed today and yes, wing was a need this offseason, but defense was by far the biggest need. And there were a lot of fans basically saying, let's just draft the best defenseman available. And that's it. Just draft the best the best defenseman available. That's what we need. Don't worry about forward. We've got all, all this money spent up front and all these recent high picks spent up front. We don't need more forwards. But I respect him for looking ahead and also, I think, drafting who he thought was the best player on the board. Asplund. He's really the only other one I'm going to talk about in length or at length, but I liked that move a lot as well, and that was part of the Kulikov trade, being able to to get somebody who by most was rated in, in the late first round and somebody that looks like he's going to be a nice top nine glue guy piece in the future, the type of player that you need to be able to, to throw in with a lineup that has studs like Eichel, Reinhardt, O'Reilly, Oposo, Having somebody like Asplund to be able to throw into whatever role you need him, you know, whether it's third line winger, whether you need him to center the third line, or whether he needs to play on a scoring line with one of those guys, 
it looks like he's going to be the type of player that can fit in all around the lineup. And that's going to be a great glue piece to have. And as some people compare him to Jochen Hest when looking at a Sabres perspective. And think about how valuable Hest was to those great Sabres teams in the mid-2000s. He was hugely important. He was able to, to play up on the scoring line with, with Danny Briere. He was able to move over to center if they needed it, and he was able to play on a defensive line when they needed it as well, when the lineup dictated that that's where, what, that's where they needed him. So he was hugely important. I know he probably was disliked by some fans because of his inability to cash in on a lot of the chances that he got, and um, he wasn't dynamic. He wasn't super fun to watch or anything like that, but he was a guy that was hugely important to those teams. I think Asplin can be that type of player to – a future contending Sabres teams. Now there are a lot of interesting players that they acquired throughout the rest of the draft. Uh, Cliff Poo. I know a lot of people are very into uh, Vasily Glatov because of his personality and he came and he really took the development camp over with that personality and just his, his love for the game. Uh, and Casey Fitzgerald, there's some other interesting pieces that they acquired, but really the important part in how this draft will be judged is Nylander and Asplund, and all the rest are kind of crapshoots that, yeah, you hope they eventually can become NHL players, but you're not really expecting that to happen. So we'll see this year, the post-draft year is huge, especially for later round picks, for third round and later picks. The post-draft season is super important to separate yourself from the pack and to try to put yourself in a position to earn a contract. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe some of these guys step out, and, and if any of them do, and any of them do become important pieces to this franchise, then it helps Murray's, uh, Murray's grade and evaluation for this draft even more. But really, this draft will ultimately be determined by how Nylander and Asplin pan out. And I'm, I'm hopeful. I liked both the picks a lot, and uh, – People, who, people whose opinions I trust, who were able to watch them far more than I was able to, uh, they like these players as well. And I think they fit in well. And looking at what we have now and the players coming up and, and what the future construction of the roster is probably going to look like, I liked those picks. So I think given what Murray had to work with this offseason, he, he didn't make as splashy moves as we've come to expect from him. And he wasn't able to acquire that high-level defenseman that I think a lot of us wanted. And obviously, I would have loved to have seen that too. But you can't just go out and pay whatever it costs to acquire a certain piece. Whatever the market is dictating is the price for those pieces is going to play a huge role in what you can do. And I think the market for these defensemen was really astronomical this offseason. And you look at what Adam Larson went for, that it took Taylor Hall to get Adam Larson who was a type of player that I think a lot of Sabres fans would have liked to have seen the Sabres bring in. But the Sabres didn't have those types of pieces to throw around. They don't have a Taylor Hall that they could afford to trade. I mean, the Oilers couldn't really afford to trade Taylor Hall either, which is why so many of us were surprised by the Larson, uh, the Larson trade. But the market didn't dictate being able to, to acquire that high-level left-handed defenseman. So he went out and he found a way to get it done, to, to bring in at least an upgrade. Not exactly what we wanted, but an upgrade. And paid a pretty fair price to get it, I think. I think the Kulikov trade was very fair, as I talked about before. 
He went out in the free agent market, didn't go crazy, didn't make any Vili Leno type signing, signed the top winger, probably the top winger on the market to a fair, a very fair deal. And this is, I don't think this is going to turn into a Matt Molson type contract where we're lamenting it a couple of years down the road. You know, he's a good skater. Unlike Molson, I think he's right in the prime of his career now. Yeah, maybe at the very end of that deal, it might not look so good. But that's really the nature of free agent deals. But I think the next four or five years, that deal is going to look very good, and he's going to be a high-level addition to the roster. Um, so really looking over the whole offseason, I'd have to give Murray a pretty high rating. I'd have to look at you know maybe the A-minus, B-plus rating. I wouldn't give him an A or an A-plus just because he wasn't able to accomplish the goal of getting that high-level defenseman. But like I said... I think it was kind of out of his control, and I think it would have detracted from his ability to beef up the system, um, his ability to kind of make this a long-term contender if he had done so and had gone out and paid whatever the price necessary to get a high-level defenseman. Another reason why I'm not giving him an A or an A-plus is because I would have liked to have seen another depth signing or two. And I think the VZ trade made them more hopeful than they otherwise would have been that they would get a another top nine forward for cheap. So they didn't go out and they didn't try to sign somebody that would fit into the lineup. But I think they should have still been making those kind of signings. Somebody like a Brandon Peary would have been fantastic. There still are players out there, so this grade is somewhat incomplete. I also didn't discuss the VZ trade in my evaluation, but I'm not going to get into that again because I discussed it so long uh, in the previous episode and that I didn't have a problem I don't really rate that as a good trade or a bad trade. It was a, a risky move, but I think it was worth the risk. Um, so I, that doesn't really factor into my evaluation of this whole offseason. Uh, so the, the two biggest things going against Murray are not being able to land a true top-pairing defenseman and not filling out the roster with depth with another maybe another top-nine winger option and or a fourth-line center option and also maybe not bringing in another defenseman to compete for a job here. But there are still players like that out there, and I think they are going to bring in some guys at least on PTOs. So I hope that at least that second part is alleviated by the time training camp starts, and I'll be very willing to eat my words at that point. So hope you enjoyed a little analysis summary of the Sabres offseason so far. Tim Murray, if nothing else, is always exciting. And it's been exciting to follow since he took over. And I think it's going to continue to be exciting. They're going to, there are a lot of big decisions to be made going forward. And this is an exciting team on the upswing. So not only will it be exciting to watch on the ice, but also to see what's happening off the ice. So appreciate you listening. Hopefully I'll have another episode out pretty soon. Maybe we'll be talking about a wrist line and re-signing or about uh, the Sabres bringing somebody else in. But I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend.